first official episode of Dear Black People. So allow me to formally introduce myself. I go by Luna Pearl and I'll be your host on this journey and celebration of all people, places, and things on the melanated spectrum. So who am I? Who is Luna Pearl? Well, just to give you a little rundown about myself, I'm a self-taught and locally published photographer, videographer, and almost certified Joner. Just need to pass that certified uh, test, the part 107, and I'll be there. But I'm an all-around entrepreneur type and a situational extrovert. And if you know anything about introverts and extroverts, you know exactly what that means. (laughs) All right. I'm based in my native hometown of Staten Island, New York City. Oh, yeah. And of course, I'm a black woman. (laughs) So I'd like to take a minute to shout out my people that uh, birthed me, you know, my parents, people that brought me here. So my mother is Vincentian born and Trini raised, and my father is Trini born and raised. So I got to shout out the entire West Indian Massive right now. And um, I'm going to get back to y'all self-proclaimed brown folks later because we got to talk. All right. But For now, that's enough about me. Let me move on to laying down the foundations of what this program is, what it isn't, and what to expect in the episodes to follow. So, what is this? Well, it's a weekly podcast and videocast dedicated to the topics and conversations that I feel can help us think and thrive together as a people. My overall objective is for this to be a space to unify to uplift and to support each other. As part of that endeavor, there will be guests invited on to share their specialties, their perspectives, and their life stories if necessary. Topics will range from heavier matters such as economics, politics, and spirituality to lighter talks that include entertainment, food, and some travel. Now I know there's limitations on travel right now, but trust and believe As soon as humanly possible, I will be on someone's tropical beach with somebody's son or somebody's uncle or somebody's lightly recycled father. All right. So back to the foundational stuff. Let me be very clear on what this isn't. All right. Because this is not a safe space for hate or animosity of any kind. And I'm not about to promote any hate or violence towards anyone either. All right, so let's just get that clear. We all have our perspectives, our preferences, and dislikes, but there's more than enough hate going on in the world right now. I think we can all agree to that. And I, for one, refuse to add to it. I'm far from an extremist or what they call a hotep. (laughs) So if anyone identifies with extremist views, this is probably not the program for you. All right. 
in my mind, there's a huge difference between a difference of opinion and hate, all right? Having a difference of opinion, that's fine and that's normal. And as long as we keep it respectful, there should be no issues, all right? So again, there's zero room for hate here. My purpose is to speak against it, not promote it. So what can you expect from me on this program? Well, for starters, you can fully expect for me to speak my truth. For better or worse, I'm going to be as authentic and genuine as possible. All right, there's no room for fakeness or bullshit here. This is for real conversations, okay? I started Dear Black People to have topics and conversations about us and for us, not about them or for them. And by them, you know what I mean. People that identify with racist, elitist, supremacist views. And I'm absolutely exhausted about talking about them. I'm tired of having conversations about racists, about racism, about elitism, about white supremacy. I am tired of it all. All right. So I'm just going to flip the script and turn the conversation inwards to us. Because what we're looking at right now is a modern day civil rights era. And this is a cyclical thing. These things keep happening in cycles. We've seen this before. And if we let them keep repeating the same cycle, they'll never take us seriously. And they'll continue to try to distract us with these small wins, naming streets after Black Lives Matter, proclaiming on their social medias that they are fully in support of Black Lives Matter. Come on, we, we all know what the deal is with that. Instead of addressing the systemic root of the problem, there's all these little distractions going on right now to try and diffuse the situation. We can't forget what's important here. We have to always remember where this fight started and where we need to go. To the ones that still have the patience and time to talk to racists and to talk about racism, you know what? Do your thing. Godspeed. Like I said, I'm going to turn the focus inward and talk about us. And yes, I understand racism is a huge problem. But let's face facts. If racism ended tomorrow, we still got a bunch of our own shit to deal with. All right. So I say let's start tackling those issues now. Let's start having those uncomfortable and awkward conversations. Let's start having those triggering conversations because that's the only way that we're going to heal and grow. That's the only way we're going to be better so that when we do get those big wins, we can celebrate them properly as a unified people. Now, I think that sounds amazing. Like if I would love to see that happen in my lifetime. What I'm describing might sound out of reach and idealistic, but if enough of us are actually willing to put in the work, it's very possible. All right, so don't discount it. Okay, moving forward, keep in mind that my personal thoughts on topics are exactly what they are. My personal thoughts. All right, and I'm speaking as a black woman born in America. While I can certainly listen to and understand the point of view of others, I can only speak from my own individual perspective. 
depending on your current perspective, you might be triggered at some of the things that I say. And honestly, some of those mental triggers will be pulled on purpose. But I promise you, my only real intention and interest is that of helping us to think more with logic than emotion, to heal, to grow, so that we can actually move forward and promote upward movements amongst our own and amongst the culture. Naturally, everyone is not going to agree with me on everything, and that's okay. But I do ask that you listen with an open mind, all right? Because like I said, I'm not here to waste anyone's time. I'm not here to bullshit, all right? I'm here to have genuine conversations. If I'm talking about something, it's because I took the time to research it. And if I took the time to research it, that's because I believe the topic has value to the collective and someone other than myself. Now, if you come to feel like this program brings no value to your life whatsoever, then I sincerely say take care and I wish you the best. Otherwise, it's always going to be on some I said, what the fuck I said. (laughs) All right. Now that brings me to my next disclaimer. As you just heard, I do curse sometimes, and it's usually for emphasis and for dramatic effect, but I'm not a very dramatic person. So you won't hear it that often, but you will hear it sometimes. But on the flip side, I will not be promoting use of the N-word. All right, y'all may be scratching your heads at that one, but oh well. I really have no desire to explain that much further and to try and polish up a word that we know what the history is behind it and try to put a positive spin on it. I don't know why people try to do that. You know, I've used it in the past, but I'm not proud of myself and I've actually committed to removing it from my vocabulary permanently. So I think I covered all my disclaimers for now. (laughs) There are probably others that I'm forgetting smoke a little bit so my weed brain gets the best of me sometimes but that should be the gist of it for now so on to our main topic which would be my first dear black people rant (laughs) so I'll start with the date because I think we all are aware by now what July 4th represents So like most melanated Americans that were taught a bunch of watered down and whitewashed bullshit in school, this day in 1776 is intended to mark America's Independence Day from the British. Problem is, not all Americans were able to celebrate such freedoms since slavery was still legal and the majority of black and brown Americans were still in bondage for almost a whole nother century after. So even before I learned the history of Juneteenth, I was pretty much aware at that point that July 4th was not really our holiday. It was colonizer holiday. And it was really nothing more to me than an excuse to have a day off from work and to overeat and drink like a lot. I drank drank a lot. (laughs) So... Dear black people, can we please, can we please stop wishing each other a happy Independence Day? Because I think we all know this day is not for us and never has been. But you know what date is for us? You guessed it. Juneteenth, baby. 
Now, personally, I didn't learn about Juneteenth until around 2015, and even then, I didn't fully grasp its importance until I really took the time to read up on the holiday and the reason it exists. So in case you're not aware, because I have had conversations in the past few weeks with people that were not knowledgeable on Juneteenth at all. So let me give you a quick rundown on the history. All right, so June 19th, 1865, commemorates the day that Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, with federal orders announcing that the Civil War was over and all slaves were free. So although the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect on January 1st, 1863, it was not readily enforced in some areas and downright suppressed in other areas. Overall, the word spread slowly, very slowly, across the Confederacy and the rest of the country. And since slaves were largely kept out of the loop, a lot of them didn't even know they were free. And some weren't granted freedom unless they were able to run away into Union territory or cross state lines out of Confederate territory. It wasn't until after the end of the Civil War for all slaves in the former Confederate states to learn of their freedom, with Texas being the last to know. So an interesting note that I recently found out was the actual announcement made by Union soldiers in Texas. Actually, it actually encouraged freed slaves to stay with their former owners. Can can you believe that? It actually encouraged. All right, I'm going to read this for you. So this is the general order number three as read by General Gordon Granger, and it states, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. So let's just take a minute to let that sink in and imagine that. Like really imagine that shit. Say you've just been told that you're a free man or a woman after years of bondage. But in that same breath, these mother, these dudes are saying, are, they're basically saying, well, um, you know, I know you're free and all. But, uh, you know, even though your, your master may be beating you or raping you at, at pretty much every opportunity they get, you should probably just go ahead and remain quietly. <laughs> Yo, I, I know for a fact if I existed in those times, I would have been awesome. <laughs> Bitch, you are bugging. <laughs> but moving right along. So even after the official announcement was made, word was yet again slow to spread and many enslavers yet again deliberately suppressed the information until after their harvest and some even beyond that. Turns out some Texas slave owners weren't okay with parting with who they felt was their property. So when freed men and women tried to leave, many of them were still beaten or murdered. 
So you're given your freedom, but the people that supposedly own you, they're like, nah, you ain't free. You still mine. And then they proceed to still beat and kill your ass. And there were even reports that some slaves weren't released until after their owner died in 1868. And that was another three years after the official announcement. Three years. Well, I, I mean, I guess that's not a lot compared to the centuries of slavery, but shit. So why did it take so long for Juneteenth to gain traction and be recognized on a wider scale? Well, when black people first tried to celebrate Juneteenth, they were met with several issues, the first of which segregation laws. So the issue that segregation posed was that it didn't permit black people to use any public parks or spaces where they can properly hold celebrations. That was until the 1870s when a former enslaved group pulled together $800 and purchased 10 acres of land, which they called Emancipation Park in Houston, Texas. It was the only public park that was open to African-Americans and primarily used for Juneteenth celebrations. And it stayed that way up until I think they actually had one this year, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they had a virtual celebration for Juneteenth. So between segregation laws, the Jim Crow era, lynchings, mass murders like Rosewood, Black Wall Street, Tuskegee, Black people had a hard time celebrating much of anything. It wasn't until the last civil rights movement when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. purposely planned the Poor People's Campaign around Juneteenth. And it was then that the holiday and celebration surrounding it was then reborn. So seeing as how Texas was the last free state, I guess it's only fitting that it became the first state to recognize Juneteenth as a holiday. But that wasn't until 1980. Fast forward to June of 2019. Pennsylvania became the latest state to officially recognize Juneteenth. Notice I said latest and not the last because we still have three states to go. Hawaii and both the Dakotas are being stubborn as you know what, but considering they have some of the lowest numbers of black and brown population, none of us should really be surprised. Not that we're going to leave them alone, but we can tackle that later. So dear black people that don't celebrate or even acknowledge Juneteenth, what's the real deal here? I'm very curious actually, because I find it disturbingly interesting when I come across a black person who will readily celebrate July 4th, but when given knowledge about the significance behind Juneteenth, I'm not met with the same enthusiasm. So why is that? Have you just gotten used to the whitewash American way? Is the process of taking on a new holiday too much for you? Or is it that Juneteenth is maybe a little too black for you? I don't know. Now, mind you, this isn't an attempt to socially pressure anyone, all right? If you know the facts and have still made the conscious decision to ignore the holiday, I'm going to still give you the side eye, but I'm not going to force the issue because you know what they say, not all skin folk is kin folk. So I'll leave y'all alone for now for just a little bit, okay, so we can move on. 
But just know that if Staten Island of all places can celebrate Juneteenth, nobody else should have a problem. Oh, and yes, in case you were wondering, I'm indeed referring to the same Staten Island where Eric Gardner was murdered by a piece of shit NYPD officer on July 17th, 2014. That's almost six years to the date. And it's the very same New York City borough that Dave Chappelle recently described as an awful place (laughs) in his latest somberly comedic, yet as per usual, genius performance entitled 846. If you haven't seen it or don't remember the reference, let me take you back for a minute. You watch one shooting after another. Eric Garner in New York, the first guy that told the police, I can't breathe. Eric Garner was selling loose cigarettes in Staten Island when my kid was being, when my kid was born, my first son, my, my wife lived in Staten Island. It's an awful place. Uh, she knows it. Everyone, everyone who's ever been there knows it. Yuck to Staten Island. And my black ass would go there. And I got a lot of fans there and friends there. But this is a very terrible place. Fuck everybody in Staten Island except the Wu-Tang Clan. Got murdered by one police officer while five of his fellow officers watched him do it. Not one of them said, Frank, Frank, take it easy. None of that shit. Yeah. So I actually consider um, Dave Chappelle one of my favorite comedians. And I consider myself sort of a fan. Um, And I say sort of because truthfully, I don't idolize anyone to the point of actual fandom. But between him and Rihanna, it's probably the closest it's going to (laughs) get to being a fan. While I'm not going to say I completely agree with his assessment on the island, I can't really argue with him either. Throughout my lifetime, I've seen the good and the bad of what the island has to offer. But Gardner's murder was just downright the ugliest shit I've seen here. And it left a very particular stain on this island that will not be forgotten. And living here hasn't been the same since. But on the bright side, we can at least thank the Wu-Tang Clan for being the only good cultural reference point that I can think of right now. So shout out to the Wu and shout out to all my Staten Island people. On that note, I'm about to wrap up this intro episode of Dear Black People so y'all can go ahead and enjoy your weekend. And as you can probably hear, my throat is dry as hell, probably because I'm not used to talking this long consecutively. But I promise I'll get better. (laughs) And to close out this proper, I'm going to play a Juneteenth piece by spoken word artist Amber Rose. And no, not that Amber Rose. All right. But if you're interested in being a guest on the program or you're a black business owner who would like to promote your brand or services, I would love to hear from you. So please reach out and drop me a line at dearblackpeopleshow at gmail.com. That's dearblkpplshow at gmail. All right. And stay tuned for future episodes because this is only the beginning. We still have a lot to talk about. So mind you, I might sound chill, but I'm actually very excited to start this journey with all my people who are willing to take the ride with me. 
as I like to say, it's cool to be ride or die and it's all gangsta and all, but I would much rather to ride and live. On that note, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope everyone has a safe yet fun weekend celebrating Juneteenth 2.0. <laughs> Peace, y'all. In 1967, when Stokely Carmichael said black is beautiful, brother didn't say pretty. Ain't nothing pretty about this. Ain't nothing pretty about being the dirt beneath America's boot. Ain't nothing cute about being hunted, about the way existing is enough to make you criminal, about the way sirens scare more than they secure, flashing lights come through bedroom windows just to remind you you are watched even in your sleep. Ain't nothing sweet about the way our flesh is consumed, bodies swallowed by onlookers. Ain't nothing nice about the way disease lurks in our corners, consumes us until we are afraid of our own reflection, how answers come out of fear. Ain't nothing nice about how heavy secrets weigh on our back, about how the unspeakable sits like rocks on the shore of our throat. Ain't nothing nice about our communities stolen from our grip, replaced with everything we are not, gentrified by white glove, cream and crisp. Ain't nothing easy about the way poverty Poverty preys on us. Going to sleep gasping for air cause money always got us in a chokehold. Ain't nothing easy about mourning your friend, brother, sister, lover. Ain't nothing nice about how close death always is. It's goodnight kisses sending too many of our children to sleep. Ain't nothing sweet or easy or cute or nice or pretty about this. But the movement didn't say pretty. The movement said beautiful. The kind of beauty that swells in your stomach keeps your feet on the ground. The beauty in the way we fight to walk and talk and love and live the way we do. Beauty in the way our laughter is resistance. Beauty in our ability to dance when the world wants us shackled. How we speak when law books want us silent. How we pray when we are told God doesn't look like us. How we make love like music even with sirens at our windows. We stand strong, we love real, we hold tight, we dance clean, we fight dirty, we push hard, we live anyway. So we never wanted to be called pretty. See our brown skin? Call us dirty. Cause pretty is easy, but beauty is a fight. It is dirt and grit and warfare. Every morning a battle cry. We wear our brown, covered in life's dirt. Wear it gorgeous. We have fought for our lives with our sleeves rolled up in this dirty, dirty fight for the beautiful. Go by the people. Go by the people. Go by the people. Go by the people.
about the people 